welcome back to F&B Soundbites, a podcast where we cover hot topics, trends and challenges for professionals in the engine room behind the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Hamish McCook, and joining us today is our co-host, Kim Featherstone. Hey, Hamish. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Um, Look, many of you will have heard Kim talking before on the podcast. Kim and I work closely together. We were talking about the interview subject today, and Kim is really interested in this topic as well. It just became clear that Kim was probably going to do a better job of this than I would. So we (laughs) said, hey, I I still want to be involved in it because I'm interested in it as well. So we've got the Kim and Hamish show today, but in fact, Kim is probably going to lead things more than I will. Um, I just asked too many questions. Yeah, great questions though. So, and the the thing is with this interview today, I mean, we've got a topic that I think a lot of our clients might've heard about, but won't necessarily know what it is. So Kim, lead things and take take charge. Let's kick us off. Okay. So big question for the day is what is a green building? What certifies a green building? And why would you guys, the an F&B facility, choose to build one? So today in the hot seat, we are talking to Ethan Duff, who is one of our senior building scientists here at Becker. And he's going to share some of his work on an award-winning project for Cloudy Bay Wineries here in New Zealand and a bit about how developing a green building has supported their decarbonisation efforts and also elevated their standing as a business strongly committed to sustainability. So welcome, Ethan. Awesome. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, guys. Uh, really, really fun to be here. Yeah, and, we're excited. Um, yeah, talk about green buildings in the F&B space. It's a different space for me. I work in uh, green buildings, obviously. But yeah, it'll be interesting chat. Looking so why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? What do you do at Becker? What do you do when you're not at Becker? My role is a building scientist at Becker, which is in our green buildings team. So I'm based in Wellington, New Zealand, but our team is national. So the, the first question people ask me, when I say I'm a building scientist, I go, well, what on earth is that? The easy answer is to sort of say it's a foot in architecture and a foot in engineering. But really our role is to try and make buildings better overall and better for people and for the environment, sort of really to get the most out of them and make sure that they perform well. When I'm not at Becker, I usually sort of nose deep in a history book or a video or documentary or something like that. But at the moment, being based in Wellington, it's been a really good opportunity to get out in the freezing cold and watch the Women's World Cup, which has been fantastic. Very cool. Who are you supporting? Oh, New Zealand, obviously, they're my number one. <laughs> but I have to say Spain at the moment is probably my number two. They've put in a, a few really awesome performances recently and they look like they've got the goods maybe to go a pretty long way. Okay, we'll keep an eye out on them. Oh, so you've recently won an award for some work with Cloudy Bay Wineries. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about the project? Yeah, so we're really lucky to come away with the Green Building Property Award for uh, Property Council Awards for 2023 in New Zealand. So, and that was for a project called the Founders Cellar or the original cellar at Cloudy Bay Wineries, which are based in Blenheim. And it's a small boutique winery with an awesome brand, awesome, awesome wines. But they did have the original cellar on site, which was from 1985. And it kind of gone through the motions of being a wine producing building to a storage facility and offices and all sorts of things over the last sort of 40 years. And it sat next to the cellar door. 
and became a really good opportunity to give it a refresh, give it a seismic strength in to bring it back up to the building code standard and also to really integrate a small batch winemaking in that space along with an extension of the cellar door to really bring their customers, their clients through and really show them what the, the world of winemaking is about. So, I mean, that was the the overall for the project, but our role on the project was to help to offer a, a sustainability lens onto how to turn this project into a green building and really bring in the sustainability values into the project. Cool. Okay. So uh, let's dig into that a little bit more. What was that sustainability design approach to the building? What are some of the criteria that you used? Yeah, the term green building is such a it's almost a vague term in some senses, but within that, it's really cool. There's a lot of sort of dials you can turn. And so for Cloudy Bay, there were a few key things. They're taking a really big effort in their operations to reduce their carbon emissions, in particular, reduce their water consumption on site, and a lot of really key operational things that are really behind the scenes. But then also within that, because we were bringing customers into what is essentially a winemaking facility and into the operations space, they wanted to make sure that they had a really top quality place for hosting. They do a lot of tastings and and dinners and bespoke events for particular clientele. And so it was really important to them that they had a really high quality space to bring people and really make sure that the building was kind of an extension of the brand. It allowed them to push forward. So there was a lot of sort of competing things there. So what we ended up doing was pulling together a bit of a framework for sustainability, what success looked like for Cloudy Bay on the project. And that boiled down in the end to five-star Green Star rating. Green Star is a holistic building rating tool, which means that it covers off a lot of different sort of categories of sustainability, if you will. So things like emissions and site ecology, water consumption on site and energy consumption, internal environmental things like thermal comfort and acoustics. And it's really a sort of a full package certification. It might be similar to other international ones like BRAM or LEED as well, which are used overseas quite a lot. In Australia, we use uh, Green Star as well. So we've borrowed it from our Australian cousins. So we use it over there. And in our Singapore team, we use Greenmark over there to certify our buildings as well. Sort of the same thing, are they, Ethan? Very similar? Yeah, they are similar, but they've all kind of got their own local flavour, I guess. So they're all tweaked and tuned to make sure that they sort of fit into their context really well. But they still have that recognisable stamp, you know, that certification that works across all geographies, really. Cool. So you mentioned a few things there in that list, uh, talking about energy consumption, use of water, certain Mm. sort of thermal comfort and things. Can you give us some examples of how that translated to the Cloudy Bay project? Yeah, it's an interesting building because it's an old industrial shed, really. And so we had to make it a place that was had the operational side as well as a comfortable place for people to come and, and visit and have an enjoyable wine tasting while they're making wine in the tank room beside you. One of the key things on the operational side that we did was we had some really excellent north-facing roofing, so facing towards the sun for most of the day. So we put PV panels, solar PV, all over that. So we were able to generate as much energy as we were consuming over the course of the year for the building operations, which means that we're hoping that it'll be a a net zero energy building by the end of the year. We also have 30,000 litres of rainwater harvesting tanks on site. So we are collecting all of the rain uh, off, off half of the roof and then sending that into tanks. And we're using that to flush toilets, to irrigate the land, to non-wine making hoses and that type of thing. 
And then, you know, there's some of the other things like acoustics was a really big one. We did a really careful design to make sure that if you're having a loud time with forklifts going around in half of the building, that guests could still come in and have a really nice, quiet, private wine tasting session and not be disturbed too much as well. So there's a lot of different factors there, yeah. Great. So it's much more about the interaction of people in the building than it is just about the building itself is is what I'm picking up on. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. GreenStar's it's a tool that allows you to sort of explore, I guess, which sorts of things are important to you in the project and then stitch things together. But there are obviously some trade-offs. So if you make things really energy efficient, sometimes that means that they aren't as comfortable to be in. And so there's always a little bit of a trade-off in green buildings and efficiencies and things. So our job was to really try and bring those together and reduce those as much as possible so that we had a really efficient building, but also a really comfortable one to be in as well. Great. Look, a lot of our clients or the majority of our clients now are discussing this, are looking at the KPIs for decarbonisation and green operations. Is this something that only major operators can do or is this something people can start small with? The world of sustainability is something that everyone could get into and the the green building space in particular and in decarbonisation. I think that's really opened up in the last few years for a whole range of building types and of for different organisations as well. So it sort of used to be the big commercial buildings and in the CBDs, but the Cloudy Bay building, for instance, was only about six to 700 square metres. It's really quite a, a small project and one of the smallest really to go through the Green Star process, but getting that certification has actually really improved the value of that building. And I think that's worked really well for Cloudy Bay themselves. The green building certification process is actually really recognisable it's a really clear pathway for organisations to get onto. So I think it's a really valuable thing for smaller organisations in particular. I've been sitting on the sidelines just wanting to make a comment. I don't know if it's a comment or a question, Ethan, but this is really interesting to me. So projects I'm involved in, oftentimes the, the, the objectives, they're around hard, tangible things, like we actually mm. achieve compliance around a particular thing, or we have to meet this particular target, or maybe it's in a financial IRR. But with this green building construct, you've got all these other intangibles in there as well, like the comfort levels and ecology, acoustics, and and there was creating a space that they could be proud of and and something that linked up with their brand. It strikes me that this approach helps you turn something that's really kind of subjective and intangible into a project brief that's tangible and objective. You can really put your hands around it. So I don't know if I've got a question, but tell me about that. No, you're absolutely right. I think that's one of those key challenges when you, you go into a project that you've got all these aspirations and you really want to be able to knuckle down and fix down what your success criteria looks like. And sometimes that can be a really hard thing to do, like comfort, like what does comfortable mean? It's, it can be quite a subjective thing. But something like green style or a green building rating tool, you can kind of think of them as sort of ready-made frameworks a little bit. You know, most of the work is done and you've just got to apply a little bit of your own context, your own values onto that, and then just sort of see where it takes you. So for acoustics, for instance, GreenStar has very clear criteria and for what best practice acoustics looks like. So that meant for us going through and getting an acoustician involved, we had these awesome big glass viewing spaces which look down into the tank room which represented a a really cool architectural feel but has a really big challenge acoustically so we had to work through the process how do we design it to meet the standards and then go through and actually get them tested at the end of it so there's a report there that says exactly 
what you're saying. It's a real concrete outcome to a question of how do we make this space good for our guests. These sort of frameworks work really well by doing a lot of that sort of upfront work for you. And then you can flavor it and choose which direction you take. So is acoustics important or is is rainwater collection important to you or whatever it happens to be? It's not a pay money and tick the box and get the start. You have to really engage with the process. Your project brief, there's so many different aspects that have to be considered. It's a certification, it's a tool, it's a framework to work towards and you can get as much value out of it as you put in. So if you really go for it, you can get some really, really solid outcomes that work really well for you. And that tick box idea, it can be done that way, but really the value comes out of a real engagement with the process and then looking at what does success look like for you and how do we then translate that into an actual building's outcome. Does a framework like Green Buildings have any value in terms of increasing the value of the asset or increasing the life of the asset, looking at that IRR? Or is it more in the operational space? No, it definitely does. For instance, in the commercial buildings market, you know, you can charge more for your tenants to be in a, in a green building. It can do other things as well. So if you're an asset owner, you might be looking at climate resilience, for instance, and actually improving the ability to cope with stormwater on site or higher temperatures or increased rainfall or all sorts of different things. You know, So there's a lot of financial metrics that can be taken out of the process as well. One of the really interesting ones that's come up in the last few years is looking at green finance and looking at different financial tools to actually fund projects. So if you have a green star rating, you might be able to get better conditions for any money loaned to the project or things like that as well. Mm, It's a really interesting point, actually. By going through this process, it's a way of being really clear in, in your, not only the stuff you're doing, but also what you're communicating, what's important to you, your company, your brand, and communicating that to your employees who are going to have to use the building and be part of it, the shareholders who are paying for it, and of course the consumers as well. Cloudy Bay is a, is a high-value brand. It's a niche product, and so it's really important for them to communicate their brand values to their customers as well. So it seems as though this is a really helpful tool for supporting that. And a really tangible one as well. If I've got a food and beverage business and I want to be able to tell a story about what we're doing. We're already doing some great stuff. We're already working hard on our environmental situation. And there's an opportunity there, isn't there, to actually think about how you can actually engage in the Green Star, Green Buildings process and use that to actually create something different and special for your staff and for your customers as well. It's something that's tangible and special. I suppose my next question then is, because there are a lot of moving parts to this and it's, you know, about your sustainable objectives as an organisation, but also as much about your operations and your assets. Who should be in the room to have that first conversation? Who should who should be around the table to kick this sort of stuff off? Where do you start? Yeah, that's a really interesting one, actually, is the who should be in the room piece. Circling back a little bit to what Hamish was just saying around engaging in the process. I think that's really the key part. So to engage, you've really got to have clear ideas about what it is that you want to achieve, what things are really important to you as an organization. So if you want to go ahead and do a green building, have a bit of an idea of not necessarily what the outcomes are, but what sort of things are important to you. And then, so having the right people in the room might be your marketing teams, it might be operational teams, might you know, vary depend on the type of building you're working in or the type of building you're looking to put up. But the process really should be a case of get a bit of an idea down on paper. It doesn't have to be too firm or too concrete, but it just needs to have enough to be able to start to tease out all of these different ideas about what things are of importance, what things you want to show 
you're working towards as a sustainable organization. And then we can sort of start to work through what that might mean, start putting pen to paper. That process is actually really fun. And that's the bit that really acts as a bit of a spark to get things going in a project and really steers away from that tick box idea of let's just slap Green Star onto a building and really push towards let's get a sustainable building that's got a Green Star rating as well. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ethan. I've learned heaps, really. When I first heard about green buildings, it was really in that commercial building space. But to actually sit down with you today, I can see a huge amount of opportunity, actually, for our clients, because there is so much value, I think, in looking at it from an operational perspective and a people perspective. These are buildings that people work in, and they're noisy, and they're busy, and they're full of water and energy. For me, I can see huge value in starting to think about this process for their assets. So thanks for joining us. Just keen to to get your final takeaways. No, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Hamish, for the time today. To wrap it up, I guess we always sort of come back to the same things. It's really, number one, understand what's most important to your organisation and what you're trying to achieve. Two, you know, use the right tools to hold the project to account, make sure that you're using the right certification tool. There's lots of different ones out there, not just Green Star. There's ones that focus on carbon or water or whatever you like. Take your pick at times. And then three, you know, deliver a great building at the end of it that's aligned with your values and your needs and something that is really recognisable and gets the most out of your project. Well, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Ethan. And thanks, Kim, Yeah, as thanks well. a lot. Yep. Yeah. That was really good. I agree. I've learned so much about this, actually. And hey, uh, Kim, well done also. Gosh, I think we know who'll be doing the Kim Featherstone podcast from now on. So that was really good. And for our listeners, we're trying to bring you interesting stuff. Thank you for listening. Look, but if you're interested in a topic that you haven't heard here on the podcast before and you want us to find someone and talk about it, then just feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn uh, and be sure to check out our other episodes of FB Soundbites on, uh, on Becca.com under the Ignite Your Thinking tab or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Thanks very much. And until next time, hey, Konera. Mm-hmm.